Alliance of American Football is about to rock your world. Makes the catch, has it poked away at the it's last moment. It's time to get in the game with the AAF. From Orlando to San Diego. Bill rolling, throwing towards the sticks, and has it. Our catch. team breaks it down and serves it up. All the hits. Pop at the line of scrimmage. The strategy. No more mentalization, no more dip. And scoop from the newsmakers, the playmakers, and the game changers. Drag one with him forward for a couple of extra before he has stood up. So shut up and get ready. This is After Further Review. Here's your host, Dean Jackson. Hey everybody, welcome to After Further Review. We've got a special edition today. We're going to go to the league-wide conference call conducted on Wednesday with Bill Polian, the co-founder of the AAF, and San Antonio's general manager, Daryl Johnson. He'll talk about developments of the league, and this will be a weekly feature that we will have in some form or another through the conclusion of the regular season. We'll be back right after this with Fran Stunchberry's Week That Was and our Players of the Week right after this on After Further Review. Be in the know for all your favorite teams with our Sports Central. It's like Grand Central for minor league sports. It's the most comprehensive minor league coverage anywhere. Make it your first stop for the teams and sports you care about. Minor league and alternative sports. Get big league attention. Football, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer, lacrosse, and more. Scores, stories, moderated message boards, and of course, exclusive content on OurSportsCentral.com. And we welcome you back to After Further Review. My name is Dean Jackson. With us now, France Dutchberry. It's time for our Players of the Week, presented by Our Sports Central, your first choice, your best choice for my league and alternative sports information anywhere. Fran, our Players of the Week. I have San Antonio Commanders running back Ken Farrell II, Memphis Express linebacker Drew Jackson, and Memphis Express kicker were named the Alliance American Football Off- Offensive, Defensive, and, and Unsung Hero Players for Week 4 AF season. Farrow finishing Sunday's game with 30 carries for the Lions record, 142 yards in the uh, San Antonio's 12-11 victory over previously undefeated Birmingham. And um, uh, Drew Jackson compiled 14 tackles, including four tackles for a loss, four passes, and one sack, one interception. Memphis's 26-23 victory over San Diego Fleet. And also McGinnis, who was a financial advisor two weeks ago, signed with the Express this week when they released Josh Jasper. He finished with um, with four four field goal attempts of 46, 40, 35, and 45 yards in Memphis' victory. Well, easily a big difference in that contest. Now, we're going to add a couple more players of the week. Our createmyt.com apparel best design of the week in Orlando's offense continues to show why they're 4-0 design of the week. They had 23 first downs, one sack, no interceptions, 5 of 13 on third down, and 2 of 3 on fourth down. So our Create by T apparel best design of the week goes to the Orlando offense. Orlando executed their game plan and brought it home. And You can bring your apparel home at the best price ahead of schedule with one-on-one support every step of the way. Go to createmyt.com. And now our Escape Camper Vans. Get out and go with Escape Camper Vans, our Escape Camper Van Escape of the Week goes to Ron Brooks of San Diego. He took a punt 57 yards to give San Diego their first score, but they came up short, losing to Memphis. And and the first win of the season for the Explorers. Brand, any other thoughts on on last week's games? Well, I mean, mean, it's nice to see both Atlanta and Memphis get victories. They definitely needed them. Has Atlanta turned the corner? Has Memphis turned the corner? Well, 
I feel both have to some, to some capacity. I think I think on more standpoint where uh, San Diego gave the game away more than the Mets wanted. But but then again, if if, if, if San Diego scored back, Phil Nelson didn't get hurt. They would have they would have blown them out. Yeah, and I think we all have that same feeling about that play. Uh, just a very curious play. Why would you do it on? And you know, we're all we can all look at it from. 2020 vision looking at it after the fact but football is in your side of the field late in the game the defense has been playing tough so you try to make something happen basically Fran it's almost as if they decided hey we're just going to give you the football yeah I agree and and, and and the thing is, well, in this division where every well, ten game season, everyone is critical. You can't just give away a game like that. And Mike March said that you know it was his call. He made it. It's his fault, which is fine. But it's just such a curious call. I mean, I mean he stood up about it, but it's just such a curious call. I I I don't understand where that comes from. Yeah, I don't either. At that point again, I mean, it really surprised me. So Orlando is 4-0 ahead of the Eastern Conference. San Antonio in a three-way tie with San Diego and Arizona at 2-2. By the way, Birmingham just a game back in the Eastern Conference. And we haven't heard a lot of people talk about the conference standings or the division standings, if you will. I guess you'd call them conference standings. So it's, it's kind of funny as you start looking at it, and nobody's having any real discussion on it. Fran, this is kind of separation Saturday and Sunday where we've got Orlando. It's number one versus number two in Birmingham, Salt Lake and San Diego and San Antonio and Arizona. They're clashing in the in their conference as well. So it's kind of like competition versus competition. We're getting a real good look for the first time of how teams will square off against teams of equal or similar records. And that's definitely the case being with Orlando and Birmingham. If Orlando wins, they'll be five and zero, and Birmingham will move to three and two. So they'll they'll have a commanding lead in the East, in the, in the Eastern Division. I mean, Salt Lake San, San Diego. Salt Lake ha- has to win that game to uh, keep their hunt um, in the West. And also with San Antonio, Arizona, the winning team of that game will be in first place for the West. It's going to be interesting to see how Birmingham's defense, the best in the league, will go against the best offense in the league in Orlando. And even with that, how will Birmingham's offense even keep pace with Orlando? I'm not sure they will, but one contributing factor, according to the weather again, I know that one brings up, there's supposed to be a lot of rain on Saturday in Birmingham. Hopefully that weather changes, but that can impact both teams as far as moving the football. And that's the early game Saturday. I got moved to TNT, not off of Bleacher Report Live. So apparently TNT is impressed enough to get, you know, get, they'll know they'll get a good rating at a time of the day. That's why I decided to do that. And they also moved another game a couple weeks later also on TNT. So it looks like TNT is getting more interested in having AAF games Saturday afternoons on a time of the day where it's kind of a dead period as far as sports viewership. Kind of a Saturday afternoon college football feel. All right, Fran, any other thoughts as we send you on your way? The Atlanta-Memphis game is huge because if Birmingham loses, the winner of that game is only going to be one game behind the East. So that's, that's a huge game. Aaron Murray starting for, 
for Atlanta. That's gonna, that can generate some, a lot of interest in Atlanta, and I think their attendance figures are only going to get better. He's Fran Stutchberry, and he has the week that was on After Further Review. Getting sacked by your apparel budget and design costs? Draw it up and execute a better game plan with CreateMyT.com Apparel. CreateMyT.com will take your design and bring it home at the best price, ahead of schedule, and with one-on-one support every step of the way. Go to CreateMyT.com. Improve your apparel game plan. CreateMyT.com. Online at CreateMyT, spelled T-E-E, dot com. Custom apparel and t-shirts on time, under budget, your way, every time. Break from the crowd blaze your own trail get out and go with escape camper pants more than a dozen locations including las vegas atlanta phoenix and los angeles you're never far from a great destination anyone can make their great escape a reality no matter where your journey starts or ends do it in an escape camper van book online at escapecampervans.com slash aaf escapecampervans.com slash aaf for a special 10 percent discount and we are back it's time now for us to check in the conference call with Bill Polian, co-founder of the AAF, and San Antonio General Manager Daryl Johnson. We will go to that right now. Welcome to the AAF weekly conference call with Bill Polian and Daryl Johnston. The first question we have in queue is from Chris Price, Boston Sports. Thank you. Bill, um, I, I was curious this week. I had a, a question from a reader, and it's it's an intriguing premise here. If, if the NFL came to an AAF team this week and expressed interest in signing a player off an AAF roster. Is there an official league policy when it comes to something like that? Or are you guys working through a policy? Because it, it sounds like it, you know, with the development of the league, it could happen sooner rather than later. No, there is an official policy and it is as follows. Once the regular season begins, and ostensibly, once training camp begins, we expect the players to stay here for the uh, completion of the season. Now, you know, whether they, if, if their team doesn't make the playoffs, I think we'd, we'd be happy to let them go. Uh, but other than that, they got to make the commitment throughout the season. One of the reasons uh, we can do that is because our season ends just before OTAs begin. So a player could go back to the NFL and not miss any significant OTA time. And obviously he's in shape from playing football, so he doesn't need a lot of conditioning. Do you anticipate this happening sooner rather than later? Thank you. Um, You mean the NFL coming and asking for someone? Yeah, I I was just thinking along the lines of if – did the AAF would work out some sort of deal, maybe you know, similar to to what the CFL has done with with um with the NFL? Well, we have an NFL out in our contracts. It applies any time during the year, except for the from the start of training camp to the end of the regular season. Okay. Thank you. The next question comes from the line of Ben Kerchesel, CBS Sports. Go ahead, please. Hi, Bill. Um, I was wondering if there had been any contact between the AAF and either Johnny Manziel or reps from Johnny, and then additionally, um, if there was any explicit reason as to why he was essentially booted from the CFL and whether that would impact 
his uh, possibility of, of playing the AAF down the road? We've had what I would characterize as feelers from people close to him. Um, we are in the process of going through our due diligence. Um, that's, I would say, probably 50% done. And uh, we don't intend to comment on anything uh, that has to do with Johnny personally for reasons that are legally obvious. The next question comes from the line of Lee Hamilton, Channel 6, San Diego. Go ahead, please. Hi, Bill. Good afternoon. Has there been any dialogue with the National Football League about the potential a year from now of a working agreement whereby you might have access to the bottom half of their roster or developmental squad players, put them under the tutelage of NFL coaches in your spring league and, and grow them? Is, is that not the bigger blueprint rather than taking street people and letting them play football uh, as you have this season? A prime example would be if if you went to Pittsburgh and took their third quarterback, Mason Rudolph, the kid from Oklahoma State, or Josh Dobbs from Tennessee, wouldn't there be of great value for NFL clubs to allow those young guys to be part of uh, an NFL-structured thing with quality coaches tutoring them over your 10-game schedule? Thank you. The answer to that, you're welcome. The answer to that is yes. Um, We have had no specific talks with them on that subject. Lots of NFL people... Uh, have bandied about that thought with lots of us. Daryl Johnson is sitting here with me, and I'll let him speak to it in a second. But uh, uh, we all talk about it, but there have been no formal uh, discussions about it at this point. Yeah, I I think um, when we started this journey, uh, the one big thing that we wanted to do was be complementary to the NFL with with the hopes that someday we could become uh, a developmental component to what they're doing. And and there's a as a broadcaster for almost 20 years now and, and talking to coaches week after week, one of the things that they've been frustrated with during the course of this, this latest CBA is uh, the reduction in meeting time, the reduction in practice time. Uh, they just don't feel that the guys are getting enough repetition. Uh, and then also, uh, you know, some of the positions coming out of the college game that, that need more work uh, to be able to be successful at the professional level. Uh, you know, th- this is what the Alliance would be perfect for. So hopefully at some point in the, in the future, uh, th- there would be an opportunity for us to, to bring guys, like you mentioned, down uh, on the back ends of rosters and, and, and especially, you know, quarterback positions, offensive line positions, you know, some of the areas that some of the coaches feel that there needs to be more development to get the guys ready to be able to compete at the NFL level. Is there a push for that to happen next year? Well, uh, I don't know that I'd characterize it as a push. I think there's enough discussion about it that those discussions are going to uh, continue. Uh, Whether or not it bears fruit remains to be seen. There are lots of uh, hurdles that have to be, procedural hurdles that have to be crossed before you can make that happen. But the talk is ramping up, I'll say that. One other question, if I can, please. A question about officiating. San Diego's lost two quarterbacks in four games over what, most of us who have followed the game feel are unbelievably late, late, and flagrant hits. Are you, are you concerned that your officiating crew is behind the power curve protecting these quarterbacks, considering that quarterbacks make the teams go, and there are very few of them around, and now they've lost two of them in San Diego? Uh, yeah, I would, I would uh, disagree with your description of the hits, but they were nonetheless um, tough ones and close calls. 
Uh, I've looked at the both both plays with the uh, with the, the officiating department. Um, the answer is yes, we are concerned, and uh, we've made a point of emphasis in speaking to the officials that they are to protect the quarterbacks. Uh, that that's their that's their number one responsibility, and uh, uh, I think they're going to pick up on that um, pretty quickly. They, Thank you. They have been. They have come from the college ranks, so they just need a little reminding because the colleges are not as uh, fastidious about calling it as we are. Thank you. The next question comes from the line of Jason Mobs, East Village Times. Go ahead, please. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, my question is: With the new league, how are you measuring your successes? And can you give me an example of some of those pathways with the season? Um, well, I, I think I'm sorry. Go ahead. Pardon me. Um, I think first of all, you want to take a look at fan engagement. The television numbers have surpassed anything that that you know we would even remotely dream about for a brand new endeavor. Um, and, uh, and so that's been a huge success, and it continues to grow. Um, we're holding the rating, which is something that uh, other leagues have not done. And, and then we, we have, uh, and I'll, I'll let Lou speak to this uh, in just a minute, we have franchises like San Antonio and Orlando um, that are really remarkable at the gate. And we've had other franchises like, like Birmingham, for example, who has a really, really good team but has had a slew of bad weather, uh, you know, tornadoes and things like that, which obviously affects the, the crowd. Now, we've got a big game this week, uh, Orlando at Birmingham. That's a big big game in the Eastern Conference race and, and two really good teams and a high-powered offense against a dominant defense, everything you want in a football game. So I'm I'm pretty excited about seeing that. This is the fifth week of our league, and we got a game that I think a lot of people around the country, not only that in the local markets, but around the country are interested in. So we're really positive about the way we're going, and all the credit belongs to the GMs and the, and the coaches and the players. They put on a tremendous show. Most, yeah, Bill's, Bill's not happy with us in San Antonio right now. We took away his 4-0 matchup uh, over the weekend. <laughs> so, uh, but... I think the fact that you're holding the rating um, shows that it's it's moved beyond a, a curiosity factor or, hey, let me see what this is about, to an appreciation uh, for the game and the style of play that's being uh, displayed on the field. So, uh, And one of the things that I thought has been surprising to me is, is at the beginning I really thought there would be parity in the league. And, you know, after the first couple of weeks, it, it appeared that we had a couple of teams um, that, that maybe were uh, quite a bit ahead of everybody else, but we've seen a couple of teams without a win, you know, knock off some teams with winning records. Uh, so I, I think we're getting back after week four now uh, that the league uh, does have that parity in it. And like every other, uh, every other Sunday in the NFL, uh, you, you can be knocked off by your opponent. So if, if you haven't prepared and earned the right to have a victory that Sunday, uh, you, you're going to find yourself on the wrong end of a scoreboard. So uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to see, what I anticipated at the start of this, that the, the eight teams would be very, very um, close in talent, uh, that the games would be enjoyable, uh, and, and we're getting to that point now as we get into week five at the halfway point. Okay, the next question comes from the line of 
Jason Muntz. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, kind of piggybacking off the last uh, uh, question, um, we're getting closer to uh, we're, we're coming right up on uh, the one-year anniversary of the announcement of the founding of the alliance. So, uh, I, my question is, is kind of about the outlook for for next season. I mean, we're almost halfway through this season, uh, so I kind of wanted you guys to touch on what the outlook, you know, what things look like for beyond uh, 2019, and and more specifically, uh, there's been some talk of expansion and potential uh, relocation. In, in season in year two, and so uh, just kind of wanted to get your your, your guys' thoughts on that. Well, uh, expansion I don't think is on the front burner. Uh, we we still have lots of work that we need to do to solidify our league and solidify ourselves in in, in the local market. So I don't think expansion is a is a high priority item at this time. We haven't even given a thought to relocation because we really don't have a firm handle because of the in, in untoward weather that's affected the southeast. Um, we don't really have a handle on on uh, you know what what many of the markets are are really like. Uh, when, you know when you got a nice day and, and the temperatures in the 50s or 60s. Um, so uh, that's an incomplete picture at this point in time. Um, I think you know we're beginning to look at at next season and start to plan for um, recruiting efforts, signing efforts with players. Uh, obviously, there's always a lot of movement of players in the offseason, and I suspect there'll be a fair amount going to the NFL. The opening question addressed that, and I suspect there'll be a, a fair amount of that. So rosters will be in flux, as, as, as they are every offseason in every football league. But uh, unlike this past season, every team will have a home, every team will have an office, every team will have a practice facility, uh, we'll be able to break down film, we'll be able to do the off-season studies um, that you typically do. We'll have an off-season league meeting uh, for virtually every facet of our, of our operation, coaches, uh, strength coaches, athletic trainers and doctors, uh, and I suspect we'll have an overall league meeting and uh, and and then, you know, once the once NFL camps begin, we we begin to do our own scouting in the camps since that's the principal source of players for us. Uh, and then that will lead right into mini camp in the in the late fall. So um, we're we're in the planning stages for that right away, right now. We're just actually beginning that uh, today. Okay, excited to. Uh to get into year two to see, um, you know, the things that we put in place in year one and learn from maybe some of the mistakes that we had uh, and, and then grow from some of the positive experiences. But, but I think when you talk about expansion, I think that everybody, you know, feels that we need to get the eight teams right now on some real solid footing uh, in their local communities and, um, you know, really have the opportunity to, to stabilize and grow. Uh, and, and I don't think that you'll see, you know, when we get ready to add franchises into the league and we start to expand, uh, I don't think the catch-up time will be too drastic for the new franchises uh, because even the, the teams that have been established, there should be attrition from our rosters. And, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what that percentage is that we have to replace from year one to year two. Uh, so, uh, you know, a, a new franchise obviously coming in, starting, uh, starting off uh, from scratch, but 
but every year all of our all of our franchises are going to have some changes that they're going to have to deal with much more than you would see at the NFL. The next question comes from the line of Kevin Allen, USA Today. Hello, guys. Thanks for doing this. Um, I want to circle back to one of the questions before about uh, you know the success that the league has had thus far, and maybe the surprise even that uh, that the reception strong and uh, you, you both have talked about some of the things that have gone well and exceeded your expectations but is there one thing that we're all missing about this why it's it's you know it's worked so well in terms of fans responding is there something that even you didn't realize or you, that you're connecting with something other than the fact that it's good entertainment value um, that's a great question Kevin thank you um, I wouldn't say that it's surprising our hope was that we could put a product on the field that would be real football by real football people for real football fans. No gimmicks, no, no out-of-this-world kinds of promotional uh, plays and formations and things like that. Yeah, we have some different rules in the NFL, but it looks basically the same. But the thing that is so gratifying um, is that these guys play as hard as can be all the time. These are hard-hitting physical games. This is professional football. Uh, you know, take away the, fo- the final four finalists in college football and, put, and maybe two or three other teams and put any other college team out there, and, and, and you know, it, it might not be a fair fight. Uh, these guys are men playing professional football. And, uh, and, and so um, we hoped that that would be the case, but you never know until you finally see it. And I think the fans have seen that from day one. They've seen the intensity. They've seen the physicality. They've seen the competitiveness. And, and that's, what we were, that's what we were striving to try and, uh, try and present. But you never know until, until you snap the ball. But, it's, man, it's been gratifying. Yes. Yeah, that was the, the, the charge and the challenge from, from Bill and from Charlie Eversall when we started this is that it, it has to be the product on the field. It has to be real football. Um, but I think what's been surprising to me um, is when we did change it or tweak it a little bit from, from what fans are used to seeing, I think those changes have been positive. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was against taking away the kickoff. Um, you know, that was part of... Uh, uh, the game when I was playing, and I mean, you've got a Pro Bowl position as a returner. Uh, I've seen games change based on a big kickoff return for a touchdown or, or momentum stolen from the opposition uh, with a big kickoff return uh, after a field goal or a touchdown. So I wondered what impact that would have on the game. And uh, I, I understand that it, it is considered the most dangerous play during the course of the game, and we're always talking about the safety of the player. But to go ahead and make that decision and, and then – not really missed the kickoff as much as I thought I would and, and have heard that same response from the fans, and it helps us with our pace of play, um, you know, to be able to get the game done uh, in, in as close to 2.30 as we can. Um, you know, I think that the fans appreciate that. I think uh, you know, the sky judge, you know, some of the things that, that the people who were involved in, in building this listened to what the fans had to say. Um, and they, they implemented some things that, that they felt were good points. Uh, you know, being able to have the coaches mic'd up, to, to be brought into the locker rooms post-game and pre-game, 
um, you know, you, you feel like you're a part of some of the plays that are happening during the course of the game. So I think some of the things that we've done that are maybe non-traditional uh, have really been things that the fans have enjoyed. I think that uh, both Sky Judge and the officiating in general has been exceptional. Um, better, honestly, than we thought we could possibly get. And, and that's a tribute to Dean Blandino and Mike Pereira and Steve Strimling and, and, and the staff that they put together. But as the old saying goes, uh, the best official is a guy whose name you never call. And, and that's kind of been the way our games have been officiated. They've been efficient. They've been fair. They've been on the money. Uh, and, and Sky Judge, who, who made his debut call last weekend, um, is new and innovative, and, and, and people seem to like it, and we're, we're thrilled about that. You've been listening to a special presentation of After Further Review. We will have the full-length press conference. It goes nearly an hour with calls and questions from sportscasters and sports writers all over the country. And you just heard from AAF co-founder Bill Polian and San Antonio general manager Daryl Johnson talking on the season so far. We'll have these press conferences as the season continues. This has been After Further Review. I'm Dean Jackson. So long, everybody. This has been After Further Review. A rock'em, sock'em, smash-mouth blast of AAF football action. Join us again next week as Dean Jackson gives you a closer look at the Alliance of American Football. You got it? Until then, follow us on Twitter at the AAF Podcast. Right here. It ain't going nowhere.